Hello, and welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Posen here along with Schwan Humes. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com. All the fights that we talk about on the blog, on the uh, on the podcast, the videos are up on my blog already. Okay. Now, normally with the UFC uh, off this week, we normally uh, skip a week, but there's enough stuff to talk about from this past week that I thought we could uh, do uh, a podcast today and another one next week, reviewing uh, next week. Okay. So, are you ready for that, Sean? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Let's. Uh, the main event of Saturday's show. Ketlin Vieira beat Holly Holm by split decision. And I guess what I want to start with, Schwan, is how did you score this fight? Be a draw, to be honest. Um, I guess if I would have had to say somebody had a better argument for winning, it would have been Vera. But I, I thought it was going to be a draw for the fight. No, I, uh, uh, it could have been, but I didn't score it that way. The way I scored it was... Uh, I gave uh, Ketlin rounds two, three, and four. Three was really close. I guess in three and four, the real determining factor was more damage for Ketlin. Yeah. And, and I gave one and five to, to Holly. Okay. Well, yeah. ultimately, that, that's what, if I was going to favor someone, that's that going to favor them because even though Holly was throwing volume and Holly had a lot of control and she, she landed a fair amount. The fact of the matter is the decisive, the, the cleaner shots and the more decisive shots were landed by, um, were landed by Ketlin. And even though Holly was coming forward, she, she wasn't being very efficient. She missed a lot. And like I said, she was landing, she was landing volume, but at no point was she able to really consistently back Ketlin up and Ketlin kept showing throughout the fight. So she couldn't, I know what she was trying to do. She was trying to do similar to what she did with Cyborg, and she thought that Ketlin was less of an athlete and she could physically overwhelm her. But just she like was in the wrong. Cy- yeah, yeah, ultimately, let, the same thing happened in the Cyborg fight. She threw a lot of volume. She pushed her against the cage. She held her. But what ended up happening was Cyborg started denying her those spots and landing power shots and eventually took over the fight. Ketlin didn't take over it as, much, as clearly as Cyborg did, but Ketlin did the same thing Cyborg did. She just started punching with home and when home started backing up she started she continued to pressure yeah it's uh, pretty much now, first of all i think this whole it reminded me of the, the fight a couple of weeks ago with rose not that the strategy was the same but it had the same end result and that's that clinch control as a strategy especially over a five-round fight is flawed at best it doesn't work and if you're doing any kind of strategy that's going to depend on the judge scoring it in your direction, that's a huge mistake in my opinion. Okay? And it's not going to work. It didn't work for Rose, and it didn't work here. Okay? What? what? Yeah, well, go they, ahead. You, you can use control because wrestlers do it all the time, but the thing about it is, control is what determines the factor then you have to make sure you're not getting hit a lot and that was the difference when she fought cyborg the first time the first round and a half cyborg really wasn't touching her she was just holding cyborg against the cage so it looked like she was in complete control because cyborg wasn't really landing cyborg's output was low and she was being held up against the cage cyborg started winning the fight when she started denying her the cage and started punishing her 
pretty much from one round one to round five, Ketlin was hitting clean and repeatedly. So even though she had control, Ketlin was winning by damage. Now, if she would have been able to avoid Ketlin's damage, like make Ketlin come to her and then t- or make Ketlin come to her and then spin her and put her on the cage where Ketlin wasn't landing, well then sure, she could have won off control. But you dominating position doesn't make up for the pa- the person beating you two or three to one as far as damage damage applies. That's where she messed up. Her defense wasn't good enough to support her control-based attack. Well, first of all, what a lot of uh, uh, fans and even commentators don't seem to understand is that clinch control is not a high priority in the judging criteria. Okay? Now, we know this because we actually know what the judging criteria is, just like I showed you that uh, video that uh, Aaron Bronstein TSN, and he yeah. knows what the judging criteria is too. So, you know, and, and I think what happened in some cases, I back and look at round four and thought, okay, maybe I had that score. And I think uh, uh, the judges, the judging was fine. Two of the judges scored it the same way that I did. The third one, the only difference is the score around three. For Hong, that could have been fine. But uh, there was nothing wrong with You've got people out there who don't understand the judging criteria, and that clinch control is not—it is not a priority. So, what happened there? Ketlin said afterwards that uh, the strategy surprised her, and that's why for the first round, anyway, it worked. But when she went back to her corner, her coach Andre Dudu Pedernaris told her to knock it off. Don't accept the clinch. You know, so she stopped accepting it. And she almost finished Holly in round two. And in fact, he went on that choke. The way Holly got out of it was a fence grab. And Jason Herzog, really pretty good ref, he was off this game because he missed that fence grab. That should have been a deducted point. Okay? All right? Yeah. That, that should have been a deducted point. And I also think the clinch business you got to stop that stuff if you're a ref. He should have done that. He knows better. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, a lot. Uh, I th- I feel like I want. I don't want to make excuses for Holly. I do think, like we mentioned last week, her not being active and her injury played a part in it because she was mostly throwing. And if she when she mixed up punches and kicks, she was able to be more effective. She's never been a great technical boxer. She's always been, been there to be hit. She's good with her work and her movement when she's moving around and drawing someone in. She's good setting up her kicks and mixing in kicks with punches. But if you make Holly Holmes exclusively a boxer, all her success is based off of volume. She's usually and she's usually she's usually so much of a better athlete that she can overwhelm you. You might land a shot or two, but physically she can bully you, and then she can just keep throwing volume and just overwhelm you and drown you with volume against Ketlin, who at this point is probably her equal, if not superior, like you said last week. She couldn't bully her. Every team cage, it was a back and forth. She didn't clearly dominate her. She couldn't clearly take her down, and she couldn't clearly back her up. And that also played a factor because Ketlin's a big, strong athlete. So when Ketlin was hitting her, it was stopping her forward progress, and it was backing her up. Usually when she fights somebody, they hit her two or three times, she overwhelms them. Like she did against Aldana. She's done against Raquel Pennington. She's done to a million people. But this time when she faced her physical match, she couldn't clearly dominate. Even when she had control, she wasn't clearly dominating the clinch. She wasn't clearly dominating positions. So she caught Ketlin off guard early. 
But from that point on, she didn't make any adjustments. She thought, oh, I had success in round one. I have success in round two. And she wasn't having success in round two. But she kept going back to it, thinking that at some point, Ketlin would get tired and she could physically overwhelm her. And at no point did Ketlin where she could overwhelm her. She should have went to her, her, her punch-kick combinations and might have had a chance. Because all she needed was a couple big flurries to win the fight, to be honest. Yeah, but she never, she never did that. Uh, the other thing, yeah. I, I also think the reason that some fans think that Holly won the fight is, again, they are depending way too much on the on-screen statistics. And those not only are those on-screen statistics um, not a fit, okay, but a lot of times they're accurate, okay, and they don't take damage into consideration. I think if we watch round four, hammer and holly. Well, that, well, that that's the thing. Everybody, it's like there's a it's same thing with Tony Ferguson. I'll say there's a there's a that they don't get tired, that they, they can fit, physically break someone down and overwhelm them. And sometimes the fighter and the camp buy into that, which is great when you're at your physical peak. Because Holly at her physical peak, I still think she could have used the same game plan and made it work against Ketlin. The Holly that fought whole, Cyborg could have done this to Ketlin because Cyborg's a much more physical and punishing fighter. But Holly's not that athlete anymore. What I was hoping for in this fight is that Holly would use her experience and maybe come out early and hit her with the volume. And then when Ketlin adjusts to it, work off your back foot, throw the combinations, and walk Ketlin into it. But much like Misha Tate did in her fight against Ketlin, she had early success. Instead of making adjustments or using different setups, she kept going back to the same thing over and over, and it didn't work. And I don't know why Holly Holm thought that just meeting Ketlin Vera head-on was going to be what it took to beat her, because nobody who's beaten Ketlin has just matched her head-on and overwhelmed her. Everybody who's beaten her has attacked multiple levels, struck and grappled, or used smart to take her down and keep her off balance she's never really just been bullied straight up so i have no idea why two of the smarter fighters with two of the smarter camps in mma chose to just try to overwhelm probably the biggest and strongest physical force outside of amanda nunez in the division like it's the stupidest stupidest game plan i get why they did it but it was it just wasn't okay so holly holm is 40 years old now and to me especially after the knee surgery uh, I wasn't particularly surprised that she slowed down quite a bit. And, I mean, I know you picked her to win. I did not. I went with Ketlin because, as as you know, I, I, I don't I, give – I don't – I, I don't – can lose. Sorry? You made very good points with her. So I said most likely she's going to lose – to go off experience. But most likely she's not going to be able to pull this well, off because I – This, this, this is where you – this is when you give her the benefit of the doubt, and I just don't do that. You know, yeah. I don't give anybody the benefit of the doubt for anything. And thing I wanted to mention is my opinion. Okay, the MVP of this fight was Ketlin's coach, Andre Pedernaris. I think he did a fantastic job in cornering her. He told her at the end of round four that she was losing. And he wasn't telling her that to make her feel bad. He was telling her that so she would get up there and be more aggressive. I thought well, it was yeah, a brilliant. I thought it was brilliant coaching. That that was excellent coaching. And a lot of times in MMA, the corners will have a good athlete or a strong. Instead of tailoring the fight plan for a specific opponent or adjusting when the plan isn't working, they'll just go along thinking that my athlete is going to pull it out. 
So he saw that she was accepting clinches and he's like, even though she's not hurting you, if you're just going to accept the clinch, it's going to allow her to win rounds. And by the time you start getting aggressive, it'll be too late. It'll be third round. You'll turn it on too late. So he made adjustments. And then when Holly had a few moments where her, where her volume was starting to pick up and Ketlin wasn't getting away from her shots and wasn't able to counter as well. He was like, look, you're letting her take over. You need to reassert yourself. You need to meet her and back her up, not let her back you up. That's, that's that's what you're supposed to do as a corner. When it's not yeah. working, you just have another game plan to execute. And he did a great job in that. He he he. That's some of the best coaching I think we've seen in months. As much as much as the UFC is the highest level MMA, when you listen to some of these corners, they're not telling them anything of value, and they're not telling them anything of note. Well, we're going to talk about really bad coaching in a couple of minutes. But anyway, um, uh, um, again. <laughs> We're going to talk. Yeah, we're going to talk about bad coaching in a couple of minutes. But the point is, is that he job. And I guess the question is, we've got a fight coming up, of course, with uh, uh, the rematch with uh, Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena. It looks like Ketlin's going to get the next title shot. Yeah, it, it would be. I don't know who. Uh, only other person who's on any sort of streak would be. Pennington, but but Ketlin's had the bigger win. She 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 beat two of the biggest names in WMMA, and uh, she's been on a win streak herself. So it, it's hard to it's hard to argue anybody else deserves a fight over her. No, I don't think there's any question she's going to get the title fight. I mean, that's what it looks like for me. Yeah, I think with her physical tools and her durability, I think she'd be a real tough out for uh, Pena, who's used to kind of bullying people and wearing them out. I don't know that that works against someone like Vera who hasn't shown a tendency to get tired. Yeah, I, that's what I think too. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but I, uh, I want to uh, uh, repeat something that, that uh, Aaron said in his video. And that's that I think it would benefit fans. Okay. Who were really complaining about this fight to go take a look at the actual criteria for judging fights okay and uh, you might you know they will learn something from that okay uh i uh, uh i mean we know the criteria okay I mean, it's pretty obvious that that you know the criteria and it's pretty obvious that i know the criteria so i don't need to do that but these guys need to do and the other thing that came up in regards to this once again is the whole business of open scoring which i don't believe open scoring is the answer uh, to this to this one i don't have a problem with it but i think a lot of the uh, um athletic commissions will not adopt open scoring ever well, one mean, thing about one thing about open scoring is going to be this people come up with game plans for a reason you base it off of what your fighter can do what your fighter what you haven't taught them open scoring in some cases is going to make some fighters take more chances but some of these fighters aren't built to take chances and it's a good chance it's going to it's going to be like the fight of the night bonus where people try to get the fight of the night bonus. They're going to be absorbing unnecessary punishment in a fight they can't win, first of all. And second of all, certain fighters don't have an, don't have an urgency in their mind. They're, they're not that kind of fighter. They're not a firefight type fighter. They're not a go-all-the-way-out fighter. Open school. There's going to be someone who's now who knows they're down four rounds, and they're still going to come out there and be technical and to still come out there and try to wrestle because that's who they are as fighters. Even when you don't know what the score is, when you've been knocked, I see fighters knocked down two times in every round, and then they come out there and they're still trying to box technically. They know they're losing the fight. I don't care what anybody's told you. You know you're losing the fight, and you're choosing not to push that pace. That's a personal choice that every fighter can make or not make. And some fighters just are incapable of making it. They're not that kind of fighter. 
open scoring is just going to expose who those guys are. It's not fighters the way you think it's going to. Okay, Schwan, Holly Holm is 40 years old now. Um, she seems to be expressing interest in fighting Katie Taylor. Okay, boxing Katie Taylor. I don't think she wins that fight. So what if she doesn't win that fight? Well, if she fights Katie Taylor, it's going to be a it's going to be a huge payday for her, probably the biggest of her career, and it'll be on the biggest platform. If I was her, I would just walk away. She's pull a Conor McGregor. You've won the UFC title. You fought for the bet. You've won it. You, be, you had the biggest upset of all time. You were bantamweight champion, featherweight champion. You competed as bantamweight champion again. You won multiple fights. You won a title at the LFA. You're a former boxing champion. Why not? Came in, take a big payday, and then walk away from the sport. It, it's no point in her doing it for her. There's no big money fights for her in the UFC. She's just competing because she wants to compete. One fight with Katie Taylor equals like, what, four or five fights with the UFC? She might as well just go out. Taylor's the biggest thing in boxing right now, or one of the biggest things. And this is a huge, huge payday. Just move on. And the other thing, the only other thing I wanted to repeat here is that the problem with the scoring in this fight was not the judging. The judges got it right. What the problem is, is people don't know what the criteria is. They don't know uh, how a fight is supposed to be scored. And that includes Holly Holm and Mike Winkleja. Well, they know what they're doing. They're, they're trying to game the system. They tried to do it against Cyborg. It worked, kind of. And they, it, it almost worked um, against Ketlin. If Ketlin would have had a worse camp, if this would have been another fighter's camp, they would have said, she's not hurting you. Keep going. She's not hurting Keep going instead of saying you need to fight back because you're giving her round. Wow. You're letting her control. The other camps don't make that adjustment. We've seen it before. Other Ketlin fought Yana Kuniskaya. Kuniskaya took her down, and Ketlin accepted being taken down, working submissions from the bottom. What the hell? She learned from that. Oh, no, we can't take chances. We have to get out of these positions. Remember, I guarantee you, he said, we saw what happened with Kuniskaya. We can't let that happen again. You've got to fight back. You've got to get out of these positions. That's why Andre Pedneris is the MVP of this fight. Yes, sir. Okay, let's move on to uh, Tabitha Ricci beat Pollyanna Vienna by unanimous decision. And the first thing I want to mention is Pollyanna announced Tame that she has um, moved to Sao Paulo and has uh, joined uh, Shootbox Diego Lima. Okay, um, um, what's their names? Um, Gloria De Paula and her girlfriend. There, uh, uh, they're the they're both uh, veterans of that camp. Okay, Tabitha Ricci. Uh, she is a Brazilian, but she actually trains in California at Paragon BJJ. I believe her father is uh, a trainer. Okay, here's the deal on this fight. It was awful. What the hell was Pollyanna doing? Explain it to me because I don't understand why you would do what she did. How the hell do you want to fight like that? Uh, you got me, man. I, I don't know what she was doing. I don't know what she was thinking. Um, it just was confounding performance. I, maybe maybe she just was trying to avoid taking any real punishment and trying to play it safe and just get through it. She didn't seem very confident in what she was doing at all. It didn't tell me that Tabitha Ricci is any good. Yeah, I, I, don't, know what, I don't know what to think of Tabitha. I would have thought... Pollyanna, the better opposition, she would have been more confident, but she didn't. She didn't have any idea what she really wanted to do. Like she didn't. She she seemed stuck in between game plans, and at least Richie knew 
out there to do, and she imposed her will on her. It's nothing technical. It's nothing strategical. Richie just came to fight, and, and Pollyanna just didn't seem to know what she wanted to do in the fight. Yeah, I just I didn't like the fight. I thought it was garbage. I'd like to see both of them leave the UFC, okay? And that's the way Hello. I feel. Yeah, I'm still here. Put up a little bit longer. Sorry? Uh, one of them you're going to have to put up with a little bit longer because you, you get a win. You get a, get, get a little bit more rope in the UFC. I guess so. All right. Enough of that fight because it was awful. Uh, this uh, uh, Sam Hughes uh, defeated Elise Reed uh, by third-round TKO. And um, I guess uh, uh, Sam uh, is getting really good coaching from uh, Saif Saud over there at uh, Fortis MMA. And uh, maybe – so Elise Reed, where does she train? She trains at um, – what the hell is it called? It's in um, New Jersey. What the hell's the name? Of I got it right here just a sec. It's – I forgot the name of it. I she don't trains know at, She trains at Kickside Martial Arts in uh, Princeton, New Jersey. The coach there is John – Bay, okay, and that's what I'm talking about. Bad coaching. Did you hear him in the corner, man? Um, I was a little confused. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he was talking about, and and Elise looked really confused too. If you want to know the truth, I now, think all. Go ahead, go ahead. And what happened here? Is the first round was fairly close. Um, you could have gone either way on that. I didn't think either of them were performing particularly well. But going back into the corner after the first round, Saud running a riot act. She said, get your shit together. You know, and she came back out and she was a lot better in round two. And they told her to finish her in round three. And sure enough, she did. So I don't know how long, how far she can go with that because I don't think she's very good. But, um, He's a great coach. What can I say? Well, one thing I, I find, like, I think he's he's got her more locked in and he's got her playing to her strength. Like, instead of just barreling in for takedowns, because she's not, I, in my opinion, she's not a high player to just shoot and for singles or doubles or tie-ups. She, she needs to set her takedowns up a little bit better, and she needs to be more precise with her footwork, feints, and everything else. She's ultimately what's separating her against Reed in her last fight Against Nunez, Nunez has no grappling, no real grappling. So the physicality difference in tie-ups and grappling allows Hughes to control her and work her over. Against Reed, Reed has a grappling background, but Reed isn't nearly as strong or physical as Sam Hughes. So Sam Hughes on the feet with Reed, it was kind of closer to even. Reed was a better striker, at least at distance. But once Hughes got her hands on her, which is a result of setting up her takedowns a little bit better and her entries, she was able to physically dominate and physically dominate Reed, and Reed didn't have an answer for it. Hughes has looked better. Two opponents who don't have the physicality or the conditioning to really fight her off in in her attempts to take down or fight her off when she gets. Now I need to see what she does against a fighter who's her physical equal or her physical superior. Will she still get the takedown? Can she still maintain control? Because right now she's working with a physical advantage. And we saw what happened when she didn't have it. When she didn't have it, she wasn't able to do anything. When she did have it, she's looked close to unbeatable. So let me ask you this question, Chuan. Does she even win these fights with her previous coach? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, th I think I think she had to, she's paying attention to more to detail. 
and she's fighting with more discipline. Because when I remember when she first came in, I said, she looks like a bully, and I don't see that she has the physicality to bully these kind of this caliber athletes. Now she's actually being an intelligent bully, setting up her takedowns, trying to use good footwork, trying to get someone to overcommit on their strikes so she can hit a reactive takedown. She didn't have that before. Before she was just all pressure. And she's not big enough or athletic enough to get away with that against real competition. So she's fighting much smarter and much more disciplined. But at some point, we're going to test that because she's going to have to start fighting those same girls who were able to have their way with her before. And she's not going to have any margin for error because of her lack of athleticism. Well, we'll, we'll just see how far safe so takes her. Okay? We'll see. I, uh, who knows, right? Yeah, we, we can see. He's done a great job so far. Okay. Now, as I said, is uh, not on this Saturday, so we're going to save the preview till next. Okay, but we've got a couple other things I want to talk about. First of all, now have up on my blog the um, final in the uh, Deep Jewels uh, Flyweight Championship. It was um, Rinnekai beating uh, Shizuka Sugiyama by a first round uh, armbar, and I posted this on my blog a couple of days ago. It took a couple of weeks for deep to get it up on their YouTube page. So, but you can go to my blog and watch it. And I have my comments on there. Uh, Schwann, did you watch this fight? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it wasn't a lot to watch, but I did watch it. Okay. So um, the, the fight was basically at first, uh, Sugiyama got her in the clinch for a little while, but once uh, um, Rin took her down, uh, it's pretty much over. She got an armbar pretty quickly there. And a lot of that is because um, Rin is a superior like she's an elite fighter, her judo. Yeah. She's probably got some of the best judo uh, in MMA. You know, yeah, she's, which also helps her physical strength. I mean, there's not too many fighters actually clinch up or push back when she she gets her hands on them and imposes her will on them. Most can't stand in there with her. Well, she she's very similar, I guess, to uh, uh, Jessica Andrade, except she she's much better on the ground than Jessica, and she's probably stronger than Jessica, which I feel is hard. Yeah, you can see how strong she is. Stronger, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say as dynamic, but but yeah, stronger. Okay, now she wants to get to the UFC. So one of the things she did right after the fight is she um, fired her management. Okay, and like I said to you last week, I think if she um, uh, gets Shuharada to be her manager, I think she gets back into the UFC. And I think she could be a potential flyweight champ. She has the potential. Okay. Yeah. Just on her physical attributes alone, most people aren't going to be able to hurt her. Even if they're better stand-up people, they're not going to be able to wrestle with her. And she's going to physically be able to, even her, not super great, but with her size and strength advantage and the fact she's an athlete, she's going to be able to do a certain amount of damage anyways against girls who are probably going to be anywhere from 10 to 13 pounds lighter than her. Did you see her backflips after the fight? Yeah, she she people don't underestimate how dynamic an athlete she is. I won't say she's the best athlete, but given her build, she's kind of squat and thick. She's much more explosive than people would think. That's why if somebody heard you say Jessica Andrade, they'd be like, no way, Andrade is one of the more explosive athletes, but that's because they haven't paid attention to Rin Nakai. I feel like if she had a different team maybe or came came up with a different – under a different camp, you might see more explosive striking and dynamic um, strikes from her, but it's because of the nature of how she's come up that you don't see see as much dynamism, except in the takedowns or the throws. Well, 
listen, you got to understand, she lives way up in northern Japan on Shokoku Island. So they have to fly her in to Tokyo for fights, right? So yeah. she doesn't she doesn't have any sparkles, okay? So occasionally she comes down to Tokyo and she she does a little bit of training in Tokyo, but uh, most of her training is done at home. And um, again, she's if she were to get with a manager like uh, Shuharada, he could probably move her to Vegas, or or you know he's got Mizuki over there at Saralongo. Uh, hey, let me ask you a question. Is she going to go to John Wood like everybody else does? <laughs> no, I don't know what he would do. He would. I don't know what she would do. I, I have no idea. He, if he managed her, he could probably tell you what he would do. But I don't know what he would do. Like, he's got Mizuki over there with Matt Sarah, so maybe he'd send her there. Isn't that where Alicia Zapatella is, too, now? Yes, she is. She took, she took my advice two years too late. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But anyway, that's that was uh, that fight is now up on my blog. Uh, the other thing is uh, uh, Ashley Evan Smith was suspended for uh, drug violation. I think steroids, right? And she yeah. has now been released from the UFC. So, you have any comment on that? I mean, if she was a bigger name or had had been more of a force as far as a fighter, then she wouldn't have this problem. But she hasn't been either, so that's why she's where she's at. Okay. Shwan, you have any, anything else you want to comment on? No. Uh, let me think. No, I, I think that's about it. Oh, wait, wait. Well, one thing, one thing. I wanted to talk about real – Amanda Nunes, when she talked about how she didn't feel safe in her own territory, it gets really weird to me because when you have a camp, all the big-name fighters okay, always okay. talk about oh, 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 oh. Before but, you get into that, I want to tell you what she was talking about. She can't just say that. Okay, Amanda was talking in a recent interview about how there's so many fighters at ATT uh, that, you know, she may end up fighting. And she was referring, I think, specifically to Kayla Harrison, right? Okay. And so that's one of the reasons she left and started her own gym, which I want to repeat once again, it is a private gym. You can't go there and work and, and work there. She has her coaches. She brings in sparring partners. And that's it. Okay. I just wanted to put that into context. Yeah. Um, okay, go ahead. I get why she did it. You want to have your, your gym. You want, you want people who are spar- sparring there for your benefit, who are helping out your skill set, and are there to better you for your fight. But ultimately, when she came in, she, she benefits of it being a team effort. And it seems like the same thing with Claudia Gadelia, where it's like, I want to be the princess of this camp. I want to be the princess of ATT. I want to be able to call the, call the shots and be the person who determines, you know, who, who leads the camp in this regard. And that's an issue you have sometimes with women in the in WMMA, because sometimes when they're the first woman at a camp, they kind of get bothered when there's other women who come in and start getting attention or start getting titles or start making a big name. They, the attention and the focus they used to but this is something that men have to deal with all the time when you come in as a even if you come in as a top star in a male in is a gym you aren't always a priority there's other people there and you have to learn to work within a team concept otherwise you you won't have much of a career working in mma so it, it seems kind of unprofessional to me that she can't handle that i get why she's saying it but it's not like she can she has to fight Kayla. Kayla's in another organization that pays her three times as much. She's never coming over to the UFC to fight you. So what's the problem? If anything, that's that's good sparring. That's high 
that's a world-class athlete who's a world-class grappler that you get exposure to and you get rounds with. I don't think she's going to be able to find any other sparring that's comparable to what Kayla could bring to her. And most of the girls at ATT don't fight at her weight class anyways, so I don't understand, I don't understand that logic either. Well, I think she just wanted to leave. I don't, I'm sure. I, I'm not really taking her comments very seriously, to be honest with you. Okay. Well, I just I just found it a little odd to me. Yeah, I, I'm not really buying it. I think it's something she had been thinking about for a couple of years. And she thought that after that loss, that it was a good uh, time to maybe make a break with them, that maybe things were getting a little stale over there, which sometimes have. With Claudia, you tell you, it's funny you mentioned her because what, that's what really happened with her is she was the little princess over there at, at uh, No Unyao. And, you know, things just kind of soured with her and uh, Perineras. And that's why she left. But she was never able to get her group back. Well, you, you know, her, you know, and I'll finish out on this. Amanda Nunes and Claudia Gedalia actually have the same issue. Both of them are dynamic fighters, grappler strikers, whose conditioning is terrible. And both of them lost. Both of them had their biggest losses when they faced people who outlasted them physically and wore them down. And to be honest, Claudia Gedalia's had the entirety of her career in the UFC, and Amanda Nunes has had the same weakness of her career in the UFC. The only difference was she started finishing girls. Girl, you started seeing her get tired. You started seeing her get backed up. You started seeing her get bullied, and that's when she lost against Pena. So it's weird to me that they're, even though Nunes had more success than Gedalia, essentially they did the same thing. They went to other camps. They're, the same thing that got them beat in the beginning is the same thing that got them beat later anyways well, the rematch is scheduled we'll see how things go with the new camp okay anyways that's about it again don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com all the fights that we talk about the videos are up on the blog so be sure to check them out I, and I urge all you guys who thought that Ketlin uh, uh, Vieira beating uh, Holly Holm was a robbery please look at round four again you're wrong Okay. All right. If you have any questions or comments for either my blog or my podcast, you can leave them in Anchor's voicemail. And if you'd like to subscribe to my podcast, you can do so on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Have a good week. We'll talk to you later.